are listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Kamani Carter Professional Accountant. On this week's talk show, we invite an expert to learn from career journeys as professionals in their field. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. Today's guest is Zainab Abu Hussein. Zainab is a pioneer in the Michigan Muslim community and is a fierce advocate for civic and political engagement by Muslim Americans. Zainab, assalamu alaikum. How are you? Alaikum assalam, Fatima. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Let's begin with telling us you have a very long journey. So begin right at the beginning. What did you study? So uh, I studied political science and history from mm -hmm. the University of Michigan. Um, and then I received a, I went back for my master's in counseling from Spring Arbor University. Mm -hmm. And currently your role is, just so everyone knows. I'm the director of diversity and inclusion for Wayne County, which is the 19th largest county in the state and the largest county in the state of Michigan. Our population is probably around, well, estimated to be 1.7 million. Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> How does it feel being responsible for all those people? Uh, it, it's actually, it's it's a lot of work, but uh, mm -hmm. I take it with uh, a lot of pride and uh, yeah. alhamdulillah, I, I love what I do. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Okay, so what took you from out of, you know, that studying into actually working within the field? Did you ever imagine yourself reaching this point? Um, no. <laughs> I think that's probably the, the, the shortest uh, and but, but probably uh, answer I can give is uh, no, I, I didn't really see myself in the in kind of the political realm. Um, mm -hmm. When I studied political science and history, I was just so fascinated by just the the history of you know the U.S. and international mm -hmm. uh, history because what I realized through my studies was history repeats itself, mm -hmm. and I, I never understood why we couldn't learn from the past uh, mistakes that were made or the past history. And you know, I, I live by the the statement that says, that, you know, a, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a very intellectual man is one that learns from others' mistakes. So um, yeah, and I, I found that to be really interesting. Um, so it was just a matter of of my passion for history. I was going into education, which was the I was supposed to be a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. <laughs> and. Um, during that that time, I kind of transitioned from like. Um, kind of did a internship with a city councilwoman who uh, from the city of Dearborn, mm -hmm. and it really like my interest really became into like who was sitting at the table, and who was making decisions on behalf mm -hmm. of you know the community, um, or if they the, represented you or not. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What I learned really quickly is that if you're not at the table, you know, no one has no one. I always my favorite phrase is if you're not at the table, you're on. You're on the menu, essentially, mm -hmm. and that means you know no one is going to be able to speak uh, for you or what's in your best interest if mm -hmm. you're not there, because uh, no one has lived your experiences and knows absolutely. what your problems are. Absolutely, the worst thing that we can do is give our pen and allow uh, other people to write our narrative, our story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's happened so often. Um, you know, the Muslim community, in, um, specifically, if you want to reference mm -hmm. Muslim community has, you know, 
when you before when you were on CNN or MSNBC when they were referencing the Muslim community you had people who probably never met a Muslim in their life but they thought they were experts and it was yeah. it's very interesting how we uh, at a certain period of time of our in our history we allowed people to take that role on mm-hmm. and that sort of goes back into what you were talking about um, about history it's uh, who's writing it that has the last say absolutely absolutely you know it was uh it's interesting because um kind of what really sprung me into the um into the like the political realm was mm-hmm. um you know in our in our district here uh, where we live in, in in the city of dearborn heights um we had uh, a, a really huge uh influx of immigrants and refugees that entered the community and you know with with that came a responsibility to ensure that services were provided to them, right, by the country that allowed mm-hmm. and brought them here, um, that they would be able to integrate into the, their communities successfully. And one of those parts of integration was the ability to to speak uh, and to teach the students in our school districts, you know, in, in a language that will allow them to kind of really understand, let them understand, but also give them an opportunity to learn how to speak English as well. And mm-hmm. what we learned really quickly um, was that the children that were, uh, the students were not being serviced accurately based on uh, federal uh, mandates by the money that was being allocated for their, uh, for them. Mm-hmm. And the, how we found out was the, the actual, the um, counselor at the high school sued the school district. The DOJ came down and did an investigation on the school district and found them that uh, they were not in compliance and that they had to make adjustments to their um, to their uh, their process in which they serviced these kids. And it was about making sure there were more people who spoke the language who could service these uh, these children. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was um, I actually ran for school board to to actually push the conversation a little further because we used to go to the school board meetings and we weren't getting anywhere and it was like I did my my research I know you guys are doing something wrong mm-hmm. you know there's something has to change and, and at that point uh, I, I kind of give the analogy of we were knocking at the door but at one certain point when they, the door is not being opened for you you just knock it down and <laughs> for me it was just a kind of making sure that they knew we weren't going anywhere. And that was me running for office. I, I knew I wasn't going to win, but it was the, the principle of being able to put, you know, my name uh, on the ballot, you know, putting uh, our, as a community's, uh, you know, what, what's important to us on a piece of mailer that went out to everyone um, in the district. It's about um, representation. Absolutely, making sure that we had representation. So I didn't win, but what did happen was um, we, now have uh, two school board members, and I'll fast mm-hmm. forward so many years, uh, two school board members that are from the community who advocate for uh, you know the community, but all the mm-hmm. kids, because essentially everything that we were saying was important, was important for every child. Mm-hmm. Was this your first uh, experience in politics? Uh, this is me running, yeah. yeah. And what ended up happening of, from, from that uh, point was mm-hmm. uh, I met uh, the state senator in which I started working for. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting when they say everything happens uh, at, at, a, at a time and uh, purpose in life. And, mm-hmm. um, and what happened was uh, he actually asked me to work for him and to be his director of constituent relations. And this was in Lansing. Um, I was the only 
Hajibe Muslim uh, woman yeah. uh, in the uh, in uh, like the state capital, which was really interesting. It was an interesting experience for me. One, I learned a whole lot. When I say a whole lot, I mean mm -hmm. I learned everything that you could possibly, uh, you know, I took in everything, right? When it mm -hmm. came to how things worked up there, how they trickle down to our community, you know, what was uh, when someone runs for office, what does that look like? Why is it important that we have people, you know, who understand our our needs at the mm -hmm. table? Um, and so it was also interesting because you had certain Republican uh, senators that came in that kind of like for just looked at me and I'm like, hi, Senator. And oh. I, I knew that you, it was my job to know everybody that came yeah. in and sure that, you know, they knew that I knew who they were. And by so the end of our it, conversation, they knew who I was. Yeah. And how did it feel um, being pulled out of uh, Dearborn, which has a huge Muslim population, to being put into a room with so many uh, Western, like a Western audience, you know, someone who, um, how did it feel being pulled out of that zone into a different environment? You know, uh, it, it, it's so interesting because, um, at, like you mentioned, Dearborn is the has the highest concentration of Arab American Muslims. You know, I was mm -hmm. born and raised in Dearborn, went to school, high school in Fortson, which you know anybody who's from the district knows how how important that uh, that history is. But uh, one thing that I learned very quickly is that we do live in a very uh, close knit um, community, and mm -hmm. the rest of the world does not look like that. Yeah, and um, which I mean is was leaving the, the the kind of the nucleus of the Arab American Muslim community and into like a world that was, it was somewhat foreign to me at, at, a, at a point of time in my life where, you know, I was slowly being introduced to, you know, different uh, communities, different mm -hmm. experiences through my academic uh, and professional careers. And, you know, I found it to be different, but my perspective on life has always been to use that experience to help bring awareness and uh, understanding um, about, you know, mm -hmm. one, about Islam, two, being a woman in Islam. And there's so many stereotypes and yeah. myths that surround, you know, our, our community, but more, more importantly, and more uh, like focused on women. And there is always this kind of stereotype that women of Islam are oppressed and they're not allowed to talk. And, you know, the best example that I can give is Sayyidina Zainab and Fatima al-Zahra. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, especially, you know, in the days that we're in right now uh, in Ashura and uh, thinking about Sayyidina Zainab. And there's this um, famous um, kind of sermon that she gave. Uh, and the one line that always took me was, um, when Ibn Ziyad asked her, you know, what is it, you know, look what God did to your, to your brother, uh, your God did to your brother mm -hmm. in Karbala. And she turned around and looked at him and said, I see nothing but beauty. Mm -hmm. I mean, to stand in front of, you know, the, the oppressor at that time and being able to make that statement with her head raised high, knowing what she has been through and what she has seen, to me is sheer not beauty but also strength that you know I I I for myself derive a lot of my strength from her. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that um, Islam has a place in politics? 
you know, it, it's interesting that that conversation is always being had, and you have many different perspectives on it. Mm -hmm. And and for me, the the best example that uh, that, that I can give is, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we all want uh, the same thing. We want to be uh, engaged. We want to have a just and and fair society. And whether we walk into a mosque or a cathedral, the basic wants that we all need are the same. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, I say that because um, if we don't express what our wants and needs are, then mm -hmm. it, it's a matter of, you know, being pushed uh, to the side. And, you know, uh, the religion of Islam is based on the foundation of justice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, when we talk about a fair and equitable society, that you know um that every government or every uh you know would want for their community or for their uh, that that's the type of environment that you want mm -hmm. you know for me one of the the biggest things was uh going back to the city of dearborn you know for so long we never had anybody from the community who who represented um you know the the community and I mentioned there's a state representative right now, and he's the only Michigan Muslim legislator in the, the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, he serves as the state representative for the city of Dearborn. His name is Representative Abdullah Hamoud. And uh, it's so interesting. I use him as an example because, you know, his I think it was a second or third day in there was an email blast sent out to every legislator introducing a, a, a bill, mm -hmm. anti-Sharia law bill. Wow. I use that as an example because at that point, no one knows up there. And this, the reality is you have maybe a handful and you can count them on your hands of people who are really truly understand this Sharia law conversation that everybody loves to just like bring up, right? But the good thing about having someone who understands and who can speak on behalf of the community is, mm -hmm. you know, Abdullah sent out an email right afterwards, sent out to every legislator telling them, you know, this is, you know, this is incorrect and it's unfair. And, you know, I'm, we're going to stand up against this. Mm -hmm. And I use that and I, I use it as an example, because if we didn't have him up there, how long would it have taken before we actually got and lobbied enough to make sure that, you know, people understand. That's what long. Mm -hmm. yeah. I would understand what's behind it. And for, for me, um, in my, like, when we talk about my political career and, mm -hmm. uh, I, I very much, I think it's very important to have and encourage people to get involved in the political process. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, one of the, the, the greatest moments of my life was being able to get Abdullah Hamoud into office was because of that moment. That, mm -hmm. that moment made it worth it for me. And when you had um, kids within our community coming up and saying, hey, you know, I want to run for office. I want to do this. You know, one is one is a good time to get civically engaged, right? You know, today is the day of Al Qasim Ibn Al Hassan alayhi salam, and he was how old? And he was he he made sure that he stood up for his uncle, right? And that he stood up for Islam. And when he walked out, he was he was a young a young boy. I mean, so using the you know that as an example for our everyday life, it's never too mm -hmm. early to get in, to be involved to stand up for what is right. Mm -hmm. And the lessons that you can pull out of these is not just about um, religious figures. Um, it's all about the humanity and the justice and the human aspect of it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There, there's a, a statement by uh, Imam al-Hussein that says, 
you know, those who are silent when others are oppressed are guilty of oppression themselves. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about these, these, these figures, these type of statements are, they have, they have no time, uh, you know, um, expiry, expiration date right on it. Mm -hmm. It's something that lives with through generations and generations and generations. Um, when we talk about the oppressors, um, you know, for example, in the United States, we see that, you know, at our borders, when we talk, when we talk about oppression, right, having children and families caged at the borders. Mm -hmm. So it's very much alive, right? And it's just a different form, a different face. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it's very interesting that, you know, we, we are fortunate enough to kind of use the, the perspective of, you know, and the experiences that they went through and the examples that they have left uh, an internal, uh, basically an internal message for all of us to learn from. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's always just history repeating itself over and over and over. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My history teacher would, would, would tell you I'm wrong because I went back and forth with him probably. He told me like history repeats. I was like, no, no, it doesn't. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what happened after you... Uh, finished with the school and then got your uh, position afterwards. What did you do in your career? So I, um, I actually uh, started working for the county after I left the, mm -hmm. the senator's office. And uh, when, I, when I said that there was so much that I, I gained in regards to experience and knowledge, mm -hmm. it was important for me because that experience and knowledge gave me the ability to kind of make sure that others had that as well. Who didn't mm -hmm. get that same experience, right? We're only as good as how many people we can touch and how many people we can bring up with us. Um, and uh, that was that experience helped me, you know, get uh, Representative Abdullah Hamoud elected, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. And it also gave me an opportunity to really understand where those gaps were in yeah. the, the larger picture of when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. I started working with the county. It was a matter of you know, Wayne County is one of the most diverse counties. We have a huge Bangladesh community, Yemeni community, Iraqi community, Lebanese community, Desi uh, community. And, you know, they were huge in their, in their own communities, but in the greater scheme of things, they were kind of just, you know, um, parts of, of the county where for me, I felt like their, their unique quality was that they were different. Mm -hmm. they, they, they themselves brought in such a positive and um, you know, resource to the to Wayne County, and it was about making sure that they and everyone else from minority communities had the opportunity to thrive in Wayne County, which meant for me it was analyzing and looking at programs internally and externally, and things that we could possibly, <coughs> excuse me, create yeah. to ensure that that welcoming uh, community. You know, for example. Uh, we had, <coughs> sorry, no um, we have a, a large immigrant and refugee community, mm -hmm. you know, the, the war in Iraq and the war in Syria, we've seen this influx of refugees and we have a, a large uh, Bangladesh community as well. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no worries if you want to grab some water. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> Um, in the meantime, we would like to let you know that Emoja will be kicking off the academy in multiple cities in the fall. So if you'd like an academy near you, please email academy at emojaoutreach.org. Thank you. No worries. Um, so it was uh, during the time when Trump got elected, 
and there was like this Muslim, the Muslim band, right? Mm -hmm. And there was this fear of, you know, immigrants and refugees being, uh, uh, you know, targeted and attacked based on, you know, their, their citizenship in the country, which was ridiculous. So what I was able to do was, uh, you know, working with uh, the county executive, um, who was a, a very uh, big advocate for mm -hmm. um, diversity in our, in our communities in Wayne County, we set up actually a meeting with the Muslim community, with the Latino community, the Arab community, and asked them, you know, what is it that you fear? What are the, the, the issues that, you know, are, are targeting your community and how can we help? And there was, you know, a lot of discussion around, you know, safety and feeling safe, which no one should ever feel unsafe in their home. Their home. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous. So it was, it was, that was the initial conversation. But from there, what happened was we were able to become a welcoming county. I created uh, an organization uh, that was spearheaded by myself through the vision of the county executive and myself called Wayne United, which is an a organ, a, basically a program within the county executive's office that focuses strictly on the diversity and inclusion within Wayne County, identifying those, those barriers and gaps. We became mm -hmm. a welcoming county, which was a very symbolic um, a symbolic effort, but essentially what it was was saying that, hey, you know, we are here as a county, we are a welcoming county, which means mm -hmm. anyone that is, you know, living here or comes here and visits, you know, they are welcomed, that there yeah. should be no fear of immigration coming in and, and picking you up or no fear of, you know, uh, being targeted based on your religion or your, um, your citizenship, mm -hmm. essentially. And it's great to have that community bonding, but you also need it to be written within um, legislation, within law, within the foundation of a country that these things are okay. <laughs> the, the leadership has to you, be responsible. Exactly. Because right, when we talk not, about what's the point? No, absolutely. And, and I think at, the, at, at its core, and when we talk about why it's important to be civically engaged, why is it our mm -hmm. responsibility to stand up and when we see something wrong to say, so, you know, to say something about it, is that if we do not hold leadership accountable for their actions, then, I mean, what's, what's the point? <clears throat> we have a question for you from one of our audience members. Um, they're asking, how do we get into her profession? So is it more of an uphill battle um, if it's a pre predominant non-Muslim area to be appointed or elected? You know, subhanAllah, I always say that for me, my religion has, has actually kind of been my, what propelled me forward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, alhamdulillah, I observed the, the hijab, which has been, to me, I know that there's like some, may say it's something that hinders, uh, you know, the pro like a prog, but for me, it was been something that has helped me move forward. Mm -hmm. I, it's always, I stood out in a sense um, where I, they wanted to include me into the conversation because they knew I had something to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, so often the Muslim community, the Arab American community or women in general were not being uh, represented or heard. Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, like I've never had an issue with my, my hijab in the, in the work that I have, uh, mm -hmm. for, that I've, I've done. You know, I, I think that I have some side eyes here and there, <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think it's the way you present yourself, um, mm -hmm. 
and whatever is received on the other end is that other person's prerogative. For many people that I, I, I come into contact with, they never have met a Muslim before. I, yeah. As crazy as that sounds, that's kind of the reality. And, and there's a lot of microaggressions, but you can change those. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's an opportunity. SubhanAllah, like when, mm -hmm. when they say that, you know, women who wear the hijab are the flag bearers of Islam. I, I, I personally, I believe that to be true, you know, because you are looked at mm -hmm. as, you know, someone who, you know, whatever you say, whatever you do, you know, it really will portray what uh, version of Islam this person has now incorporated into their, into their mind. Because realistically, the the media for so for a long period of time is the only outlet of information these people are getting are the, like about Islam and about you know women in Islam. So it's it's funny is like sometimes the reactions are are pretty uh, interesting. I want to say, alhamdulillah. Like I've I've I'm I'm very proud of being. You know, a, a Muslim hajjaba woman, mm -hmm. like in in the field I am, and I I've it's it's been alhamdulillah. So, what would the process be like if uh, you didn't have that uh, big Muslim community around you? To would it be? Do you think it would be harder to be elected or to go through that process? You know, I I'll I'll use Abdullah as an example again because mm -hmm. I found it to be very interesting as uh, using Dearborn. Dearborn has the largest Arab American Muslim community, right? Yeah. They don't vote <laughs> for the most part. They're getting there and I'm so proud of them. But the, re the reality is it's a very small percentage of, of the community that comes out and vote. The mm -hmm. larger part of the community are non-Arab, non-Muslims. Okay. And when we were running Abdullah's campaign and knocking on doors, you know, there's two examples. And I hate to like, and I, I, but two examples being one, you know, his neighbor, which was probably, I think, two blocks down, opened the door and said, you're Muslim, you're Arab. I'm not, get off my, get off my lawn. <laughs> oh my right? God. So, and this is in Dearborn, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he also got hate mail that came in the mail, but he won wow. because, you know, there are those one or two, maybe 10 people who have that type of, maybe more that mm -hmm. have, you know, that, that kind of bigot, uh, you know, or those pent up, you know, feelings about Muslims, Arabs, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the foundation of what he ran on, which was he was the most qualified, the most experienced, and had the vision to really take the the community, when I say community, Dearborn community, and on a different level. And he's been able to bring more resources than any other, you know, representative in his seat. He was able to do, you know, you know, what he's been able to do and pass in regards to legislation has been has been an example mm -hmm. of what um, what, what can be done essentially. Yeah. But the idea is, I mean, even in Dearborn, you would think because there's this large community that it would be easier at the end of the day, it's about making those personal connections, yeah. right? It's, you know, about the doors that you knock and the conversations that you have, if you're the most experienced and you're the most qualified and you have those personal, you know, one-on-one -on -one connections and conversations with the voters, you know, no matter where you are, that's what's going to make the difference. How do you build relationships and a large network? Because um, that's something that's very important in the political sphere. It, it is. It is. And, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's maybe a little different than, than others, but mm -hmm. I personally don't build networks on, uh, that are not genuine. For me, I think it's at every relationship, every person that you encounter the the basis of that should be you actually care to learn about that person 
because I feel like every person that you you uh, encounter, every person that you speak to in your life that comes into your life, they they can offer you something, a different perspective, you know. Um, and to me, that that's where the, the the relationship begins. It's not about what you what can you do for me, but you know, hi, my name is. What is it that you know? What drives you? You know, where were you born? What what you know? What's your family dynamics? How did you get into the field that you're in? Building genuine relationships is so important. I can't I can't stress that enough because you know we live in a world that you know promote the you know easy come easy go fast money you know just kind of moving things as fast as possible. But at the end of the day, there is no uh, longevity in that. The longevity of relationships and networks comes from like genuine connections. Yeah, it's amazing. What is your final piece of advice for our listeners um, before we come to the end of our show? Oh, already. Okay. <laughs> my 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 final piece of advice is you know get involved, um, and whatever that may look like to you, and whatever you're comfortable with, just get involved. Make sure that you have a seat at the table, and that you you have your needs and your voices are being heard, because no one no one will be able to write your story better than you yourself. The worst thing that we can do is give someone else the pen to write our story. Thank you so much, Sainab. You're welcome. Thank you, Fatima. And thanks to the listeners. You guys are doing a wonderful job. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Islamo, thank you. You were just listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. If you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the You Mentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to our iTunes podcast so you never miss another show? If you want to reach out to today's speaker or speakers from our any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, visit our online platform at omojaoutreach.org slash future slash groups. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear more stories from amazing professionals in their fields. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook.